Welcome to Deeply Felt, the podcast where artists discuss the art that inspires them and what they do with that inspiration. My name is Rowan Smith. Thank you for joining me. Today on the podcast, battle DJ, producer, and friend, Mr. Ben Bear, a.k.a. Tony Scratchery. He brought in De La Soul's second studio album, uh, the second of three produced by Prince Paul. De La Soul is Dead, one of my favorite albums of all time. Uh, so we had a great conversation about that. Stick around. That's coming up in just a couple minutes. So I'm sorry to say, but I have to start this episode off on somewhat of a somber note. Um, my friends and family and myself lost someone very close to us just over these last couple of days. His name was Eric Holmberg. Um, he's a good friend of mine and my brothers when we were growing up. He was uh, always at my family's parties when I would come home to visit for the holidays. He is a smile that will be sorely missed in my family. He was one of many of my friends that had uh, some of my artwork tattooed on their bodies. He, he had me design his last name in a very interesting script that he had tattooed on his chest. Uh, when I was learning how to be an MC, he was always there with a with a fresh beatbox for me to to freestyle to and to practice to, and uh, it was just you know he had he wasn't very I mean he wasn't the best beatboxer in the world, but it was oh my god he was so much fun. Uh, it was kind of like a fat boy's kind of beatboxing if if you know what I'm talking about that kind of like real fun and kind of silly, but goddamn if it didn't put a huge smile on your face. Uh, so he will be sorely missed. Um, by not just me, but a lot of people. And I'm sending big hugs and love to all those people right now. And um, Eric, I love you, man. And we're all going to miss you. So um, as a result of the bad news, I was looking for music that puts me in a good mood. And as I was digging through my gigantic music collection, I came across Pigeon John. Of course, Pigeon John always puts me in a good mood. Nobody writes a hook like Pigeon John. If you don't know who Pigeon John is, go back and check out his work. He's been around since the late 90s. Uh, He started out in a group called LA Symphony, and then he went solo. I've been a fan for years. Um, I was actually introduced to him by a Christian monk, oddly enough. Um, I was dating a woman who had a friend that she described to me as a man that, that left their hometown at a young age to wander the land on some Kung Fu shit as a Christian monk, right? So she tells me he has wandered back into town and he was going to be by the house at some point. So I hear a knock at the door. I answer the door. And there, in all of his well-traveled glory, was a very tall, thin, bald man with a Gandalf beard and a burlap robe. Like a real, honest-to-goodness, Christian monk. He comes in very humble, very quiet, uh, very nice guy. First thing I ask him, one of the first things I ask him is what kind of music do you listen to? I feel like you can tell a lot about a person by what kind of music they listen to. So it's always one of the first things I ask somebody. He proceeds to tell me he listens to hip hop. Me being a hip hop head, I'm thinking, okay, you probably, what you DC talk? Are you on some like real like preachy Christian rap stuff or what? He's like, no, man, I like I like rappers that just happen to be Christians. It's just a part of who they are. And it may be reflected in their work a bit, but it's not like a preachy thing. It's just, it's the stuff that I can relate to, uh, in hip hop music. And that's the music I grew up with. And so, you know, and, and, and he and I, he and I connected on that because, uh, we both grew up with the same kind of music. Um, so he hipped me to this cat named Pigeon John. And I've been a fan ever since. Um, he's a go-to when I want to sing along with something. He's not breaking the mold lyrically so to speak, but 
his songs are infinitely singable. They are some of the most catchy and upbeat and uplifting tunes. And that's not to say he can't do the other side too. He can be very serious. He can be uh, very funny. Um, there's a lot of sides to Pigeon John, and I'd like to show you one of them today with his 2016 release, Good Sinner. This is the title track. The first time I heard this tune, uh, it had me it had me singing along with it instantly. It's, it's a kind of song you know it by the second hook, in a good way. Uh, so ladies and gentlemen, check it out. Pigeon John's 2016 release, Good Sinner. Let's go! Make a good girl bad before I hit the door Turn the mountain in the dust underneath my feet Whiskey for breakfast, I'm girls to meet Oh yeah! Double trouble about to pop that bubble Put the first one to show up and the last to leave I'm a cold moonshine, turn day to night Change water into wine to make you feel alright Let's go! Yeah, I'm a good sinner Yeah, I'm a good sinner Yeah, I'm a good sinner Got the down pass, can't bear to go and grab a gas mask yeah, 2016 release from Pigeon John, the title track off a of Good Sinner. Um, I love this tune, guys. I, for the same reason that I love all the Pigeon John stuff, most of it anyway, is because it's fun. It's unabashedly fun. It's uh, He walks this odd line, Pigeon John does, between self-deprecation and, and absolutely boastful. Uh, he understands the, the goofiness of the rap game. He understands how ridiculous it is to be so boastful about yourself. He'll do it, but he'll also sneak in a couple jabs about himself. It's... Um, it's all very clever, and his music is all very well put together. From the beginning, uh, early on, it was very indie rap, very sample-based, and I don't know if he's gotten away from that just because he's gotten more notoriety, or if that's where his music has just taken him naturally, but I find that the more notoriety you get as an MC, the less samples that you get to use. So. I don't know if that's what happened with Pigeon John or if that's just the direction that his music took naturally, but as a result, it's gotten way more musical and uh, there's a lot more live instrumentation. It's got an odd 50s or 60s mod edge to it now that I am not mad at at all. A little less rapping, a little bit more singing, uh, but it's still really well done and always has been. So friends, do what you gotta do, buy it, stream it, Go see him live. His name is Pigeon John. All right, moving on. I had a great conversation with my good friend Tony Scratchery about De La Soul's second studio release, De La Soul is Dead. This album fits perfectly into that little golden era of hip-hop for me, and I think it does for most hip-hop heads. And if it doesn't, you're not a true head, man. I don't know what to tell you. Like, this is one of those records that, as a hip-hop head, you should quite honestly be familiar with, at least familiar with. So if you're not, hang out, listen to this conversation I had about it with my good friend Tony Scratchery. This is Deeply Felt. Hey friends, thanks for joining us today. Uh, with me in the studio, 
New Orleans battle DJ and producer, member of the Mad Cajuns and the Go DJs, one of the creators and curators of the NOLA Bounce Break series along with Quickie Martin, DJ Yaman, and the creator of Yacht Bounce, Mr. Ben Abair. Did I pronounce that right? Abair, yeah. Abair, that's yeah. the first time I've ever heard your last really? name. That's crazy. It's funny, you're like the second or third person I've had in here whose name I've never completely known. I only know you by your DJ name, Tony Scratchery. I just found out your real name was Ben like two years ago. Wow. That's just indicative of the hip hop scene. We all go by our monikers. I met you as Tony Scratchery. I, you did. You know what I mean? And you're, you're Scratchery. Every time I every time I refer to you to someone Oh, I'm, else, I'm perfectly fine with that. I mean... Right. <laughs> Good. Like, I just thought that Ben was a boring name. Like, no disrespect to my... It's not a family name. I don't have any relatives. It's sure. not like a legacy or whatever. Um, and in fact, in, in very real fact, the other two names were... Uh, Andrew and Anthony that my mom was going to name me if, yeah. and uh, they didn't want Andrew because they didn't want people to call me Andy and they didn't want Anthony because they didn't want people to call me Tony. That's and funny. So they but settled now on people, Ben. But people call you Tony now. Yeah. No, I call I'm myself not... Tony. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I named, my, I named myself that. That's great, man. It, it, that's, you know, in the hip hop or in the music world, really or in the entertainment world, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing to be able to kind of recreate yourself as a performer, uh, versus, you know, the average guy in your daily life. I mean, I know that when I was on stage, while I never felt more like myself or excuse me, I talk about it like it's the past tense. I never right. feel more like myself, but I'm also not really myself. If I'm not that guy that I am on a day. Oh yeah, basis, of course. Right? Of course. It's a it's a strange feeling. There's a level of like bravado and ego that you that that I think good performers bring to the stage Absolutely. that they leave off of the stage. Most of my the people that I've met that I've really looked up to that have been my idols have been just cool, down to earth, uh -huh. regular people. Yeah. Um, like just oh, you know. Thank but have you, you ever met one of those people that's a complete dick that I keeps have. that ego when I they have. leave the stage? I Isn't have. that a heartbreaker? It is a heartbreaker. Yeah, I mean, I think it has a lot to do with the day too, right? I mean, what, a lot of times we meet these guys and they're on tour. They could just be having a bad tour night, you know. Shit goes wrong, and they just may not be feeling in the conversation that night. But um, I've, yeah. I mean, I've opened for plenty of guys. Sage Francis is a great example. Um, I've opened for him like 10 times mm -hmm. and I'm sure he doesn't know who I am. Absolutely <laughs> not. We've no. met and we've talked and most times he was a really nice guy, but there was one night, man, you could just tell it was a bad tour night and you just, I just gave him a space. You know what I'm saying? We were, we were playing down at the Shiloh. Oh, I miss Shiloh. Tools, right? Shiloh right? shows. In fact, I, you, were you on that show? It was a Shiloh. It was with, uh, I may have gone to that show. God I don't think Awful I was, was playing. Yeah. Like before I moved to the city, you know, I was here for, for all the New Orleans indie shit, mm -hmm. you know, like the heads up stuff. Yeah, man. I remember all that. Well, you know what? Let's talk about it. Uh, when did you, when did you decide to move here and make a go at being a, a battle DJ down here and a producer down here? Yeah. Okay. So I never started, I didn't, when I started DJ, I never started to like be in a club mm -hmm. or, um, or for the fame, there was no D DJ festivals or, you know, that, that those goals didn't exist. I wanted to maybe hook up with a rapper, make albums like that sure. or whatever. Um, I, I never would have thought that I would still have a career today uh -huh. and I can still be doing the things that I initially 
started out doing. Sure. I, I was fascinated by the scratching. Beat juggling seemed like magic to me when I first it saw it. It still seems like magic to me, man. I mean, I know how it's done. I've seen it done a million times by some of the best turntable practitioners. I know, yeah. But I'm still like, what the fuck did you just yeah. do? Yeah, like that was my, my first thing was like, how, how, how do you know where everything goes? <laughs> what is that thing? And then you realize that like it's an actual skill that you can learn. Oh, yeah. And, um, and once I started to learn it, I was like, I really understood it took, it took a little bit of the mystery away from it. But still, when, when I see somebody that's like, that does it really well, I'm just like, Ooh, shit. Yeah. Right. You know, like I, I, might, I might as well just quit. I might as well just quit. Cause you just fucked Dude, me I up. get that every day. Cause mm-hmm. you know, I'm a visual artist as well as a musician. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, every yeah. day when I'm on Instagram, all I follow is visual artists. Really? Do and you follow, uh, art Adams? Maybe. Art Adams, my favorite comic book, uh, artist from like. I don't know my era. But oh, right on. Yeah, I'm. I was a, a McFarlane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's kind of like a precursor to McFarlane. It's a very sort of similar style, except it's not. McFarlane's got a cool little like exaggerated flair. Yeah, yeah, he does. Uh, his like Adams' stuff is similar, but it's a little more muted. Okay, you know. Um, but he's he's always releasing these like, uh, these process drawings of covers that he's working on Oh, right on yeah and so you know you get the blue pencil and then you get the then you get the like you know uh naked lines yeah. then you get the shading and i it, get I, I follow a lot of guys that do yeah that yeah stuff. yeah but i look at some of that stuff man and i'm like fuck i dude. fucking yeah. suck like yeah, yeah. god yeah, yeah. you can't do that with art you know what i mean like you can't compare your no, art to no, other no, art no. but there is a craftsmanship yeah, to yeah. certain things that like you want to achieve. aspire to yeah, or achieve yeah. right um so you're seeing these these DJs and these beat jugglers and shit, and you're like, how how is this done? When did you decide that you were actually gonna like throw yourself at these machines? I God, man, I was a young I was a young kid. I was into bullshit. I was into well, I was b boying and writing graffiti, and neither one of those things are particularly good for you or like lucrative or positive career paths, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they put me in positions where I would be in uh, making bad choices. Mm. You know, I was doing questionable substances, hanging <laughs> sure. out with questionable people, yeah. sleeping with questionable women, uh-huh. you know. And, uh, and I'd always been the, the big music collector. Um, I came from a small town, so there was no real vinyl store, no real record stores. Mm. Um, what small town was this? New Iberia. Louisiana. New Iberia. Yeah. Right. But you're, you've been a Louisiana boy from the jump. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I was born in Louisiana. I went to high school in Louisiana. Um, my but, dad's from Generet. My mom's from Opelousas. Oh, right on. So, so it goes back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, yeah. but okay. So there's no record store. There was, well, was there like there a, was, was there a CD store or anything <laughs> like that? Well, see like there, we were, we were too small to have a mall. Right. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we were excited when like Walmart came to New Iberia when, when I was a kid, like that was like that, you know? And so there were like little mom and pop stores, but, uh, nobody was like doing it like in a, in a real cultural way. You know what I mean? There was no real culture of, uh, sort of DJing or, even like a sense in the record stores that I went to, 
that there was like even this is even pre-genre mm. i want to say you know and so when you got a uh when you got a single it's just like what do you mean this is pre-genre you mean like it was like you went into this record store and they were like these are the records and it right. was just like pop music. Oh, I right? see what you're saying. Before, it was, before it was, uh, before it was broken down into its. Yeah. It was like this was a record store that just kind of they had the records. Yeah, they were trying to. They were trying to be like Sam Goody, right? Gotcha. You know, it's like uh, these business these business templates that people had. You know, you saw it with uh, uh, VHS rental places, mm -hmm. right? You'd get the mom and pop VHS rentals. They wouldn't necessarily know shit about the the movies, right? But it would just be like, we're here for you for, to rent these things. Yeah, that was that was like my one record store in New Iberia. That's what that was. Sure, I got right? you. Um, it wasn't like you went like I wish I would have had a, like I don't know like a place with a culture like yeah, yeah high, like a high fidelity record store. Right, I know? had we had in my hometown, and I've. I've talked about it Pittsburgh. before. Nah, nah. No. Meadville, Pennsylvania, okay. just outside of Pittsburgh. Okay. About an hour outside of Pittsburgh, hour and a half. But we had this spot called Flipside Records. Yeah, and yeah. And I will shout out Flipside Records till the day I die. I, all my schooling was in that place. And it was a kind of that, you know, you'd meet your friends there and you'd all talk and you'd dig for records and, you know, your fellow nerds were there. It was kind of like the comic book shop for musician or for music heads. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry you didn't have that, man. It's a beautiful, I didn't have that as a, a beautiful child. thing. Oh, like, well, that's the thing. I didn't have that as a child when I first was going, first trying to getting interested in music and collecting sure. music. And I mean, I've made the joke a lot on social media about scamming Columbia House and I hope the statute of limitations is. Yeah. I mean, well, you I can't, think you we can't, all did that. Yeah, we all yeah. did that. I think we all did that, but, but I think that's like, that was like my record store almost like, Oh, these guys are going to give me free music. I'm right, going right. to take these free music. <laughs> and, and so I was always that friend that had the huge tape collection or huge CD collection. I'm still even that before friend. Before yeah. I decided to like do something proactive about it. And instead mm -hmm. of just being a regular listener, mm -hmm. um, and, uh, I had read, I started going to raves, of course, and that was during my crazy party drug experimental And this stage. is what, I'm guessing late 90s? I don't, yeah, I mean. Yeah, that's when my whole rave thing was, man. It was a funny thing, like, as a hip-hop kid, mm -hmm. you end up, because there's that whole DJ culture and kind of dance culture that surrounded hip hop as well as the techno and, and dance, uh, electronic dance culture. Yeah. It's a party culture. There, right. Right. There That's was, there cool. was crossover there, mm -hmm. you know? So I, uh, you'd find, you'd often find hip hop kids at raves, you know, uh, maybe not necessarily as into the music as some of the other kids there, but like definitely into the, the culture, the, the, you know, the, um, the outcast, the, the Island of misfit toys kind of, a yeah, feeling yeah, yeah. To it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I completely identify with that and all the hip hop kids hung out in the jungle room. Right. Absolutely. They did. That's where I was. That's man. where I was. Too. I was in the jungle room. I, you know, uh, uh, maybe the house, if they had a house room, but, uh, but you know, I certainly wasn't in the, in the, uh, in the trance, trance or hypno techno, or yeah. All that, all the stuff, all the like, yeah. Yeah, that wasn't my uh wasn't your bag. That wasn't my vibe really. It was cool to see different DJs. It was cool to Absolutely. see different styles. Always. But at the end of the day, I think it's raving is what really really made me want to become a DJ because I like looked at what the DJs were doing and and 
you know, even in the picked up videos that I saw growing up mm-hmm. or, you know, I mean, Jesus, the first time I saw a DJ scratching was DXT on the Grammys with Herbie Hancock. Wow. You know? Wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's yeah, interesting. Like, I, I, my family would watch those, like the Grammys and the Oscars every year. It was like a, a thing. We pop popcorn yeah. and uh and sit down and watch the thing. And uh, this was just a thing that, like, I I I. It's I've heard so many other scratch DJs uh-huh. have this as like their genesis. Like I saw I saw a DXT with Herbie Hancock do Rocket on stage, and it made me realize like oh shit this is a this This is a like percussive instrument as well some sort of yeah yeah this is like a real instrument and um the guy is moving his hand back and forth and making the sound and playing using that's one thing i loved about that time period like a lot of people look back at the 80s and the music that was happening and kind of scoff at it and understandably so but at the same time you got to understand so what an innovative time that was for music. We're hearing noises we've never heard before. These synthesizers are coming out with all kinds of crazy sounds. Nobody's heard this shit before. And then suddenly we're hit with, oh yeah, well, look what I can do with this turntable. It's like uh, the late 70s and early 80s, while the stuff that those uh, sounds and that, that kind, those instruments were applied to may not have been the best music in the world, you also have to understand the innovative nature of that time and and the 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 push forward that was happening with with music and musical instruments and turntables right i mean like you said no one had ever really seen anybody do that mm-hmm. i mean uh, unless you lived, unless you lived in new york you and went to york. the party yeah, exactly. unless you saw grandmaster flash or yep. uh yep. or Grand Wizard Theodore play at a party right. or Herc or any one of the the very early Cold Crush DJs. But for young Bear, Yeah, but for me, For no. young Ben Bear who lives in, 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 in Louisiana. In rural Louisiana, yeah, the sugarcane capital of the That was United the mind-blowing moment. Uh, so, all right, so when do you, when do you make, decide you're going to make a go at it? Oh, Jesus. Uh, right about the time I started getting, getting tired of being... It, doing the party thing yeah like you 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 can do it hard for about a year mm-hmm. and then you realize then I, well that's what i did i did but did it super hard for a year started kind of collecting records during that time with no real intention but these this was back at the time where raves the djs had turntables yeah so you know kind of like oh shit yeah maybe i want to say fuck cds for for now and like just start buying records yeah so that's what i started doing and i did that for about a year and i just after that, I was like, you know, I've probably seen about the best DJs I want to see for a while. Let me just buy some turntables, buy mm-hmm. a mixer, and make use of this these records that I bought. And uh, then just started buying scratch records and stuff on the internet. So, like, mm-hmm. way before, this is like early days of e-commerce, dude. Right. I mean, it's like, you know, dial-up internet, making, making you know, 
I don't know how they, I guess credit card. I probably, <laughs> I probably had to like borrow my mom's credit card yeah. to make the order and then pay her money or whatever. Some, it was like some, that's how, that's definitely how I got the turntables. Like, mom, I'm gonna give you this cash and you have to yeah, like, right. you know, I don't have a credit card. And like, but you got them. Yeah, but I got them. So what came first with you? The production or DJing? Like did the production side of things come later? Oh yeah. Way yeah. later. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like for me, it was just about because the DJ technology at that time, like we were just starting to find, like just starting to have mixers with uh, fast cut crossfaders. Mm-hmm. So some of these like new scratches or new techniques or like the mixers were becoming more customizable or more flexible, more creatively uh, flexible and so you were able to like explore all these different like experimental styles mm-hmm. and you know put it and so like I was just basically fascinated with making sounds out of the turntables and like making like what are, what's the music what where's the underlying music theory here what am I you know like I want to learn some scratches and I want to learn how to do some beat juggles and I want to learn how to do this trick mixing stuff mm-hmm. so I can like look good so I can do stuff so I can be busy, but also like just so I can be musical. I can be, sure. a, I can approach this in, in, in the way that a piano player would play the piano and, and always have, uh, always be doing something, not just be, uh, a glorified iPod controller. Right. And you know what? I've, I've talked to a lot of DJs about that. Uh, and, and they're usually guys from, from, uh, our school, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I don't want to say we're old heads, but you know what I'm saying. Like we've been around the block a little bit. Um, yeah, we've seen th- we've seen things. We've seen some things, right? And uh, we've been there. Do you think that the art of turntablism is going by the wayside in favor of this kind of like playlist thing, or or do you think that the uh, the advent of all this new technology that is being put in the DJ's hands is something that is heightening? the turntablism or is it killing turntablism? Um, I like, I've given this a lot of thought and I'm 100% for tech, the technology mm-hmm. enhancing the thing. Like whenever digital, the digital thing came out, I was like, I said to myself, why did I wait this long to pick this up? This mm. is like, I, I saw the benefits immediately. Yeah. Like a, I could digitize all my records so I didn't have to carry things. Yeah. B, it came with all these like other functions that I completely could not do possibly on vinyl. You know, you can set cue points so close together that you can do these, these impossible things. Right. You know? And so once I, once I recognized that, I was like, Oh dude, cool. Yeah. Hell yeah. You know? And so, I think technology in general, uh, not just on the musical side or the DJ equipment side, but I mean, even more on the uh, allowing your stuff to be recorded and broadcast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there's so much, there's so many good DJs making good videos of cool routines of super good tricks using all this current technology mm-hmm. that, I mean, man, I don't know. If they didn't have it, you think they wouldn't be able to do what they're doing now is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on. I'm I'm of two minds. I think that it, you know, 
in in the wrong hands this this power can be evil mm-hmm. right yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like if you use this new technology for good then uh then i think it's great <laughs> uh, uh all right so let's so let's go back to when you're developing your your sound your style your uh not just as a, a, a turntablist but as a producer um when when you think back on all of the influential albums throughout your life and career as a hip-hop lover and producer yeah what i mean i did i started out as just a casual music listener and music i never i've never taken a music class that's surprising Um, i've never i mean i've read books sure of course but like i've never sat down and what's funny is my dad played piano and i i heard piano all throughout the the house or whatever he never offered to teach me he never asked hmm. me if i wanted to learn how to play piano because of course dance would have been yes sure but you know i'm stuck looking at uh at these old like these old the scott joplin ragtime songbook and like <laughs> you know seeing the seeing the the music glyphs and not understanding what they meant right. as, a, as a child you know and now now to have come full circle and like oh yeah okay i know what that is I know what, yeah I know right I right yeah. so in that journey yeah. Right. From there to here, uh, there's always more than one milestone oh, thing. Yeah. Like whether it's a, a film, whether it's an album, whether it's you know uh, a piece of art, there's always something that inspires us to shoot off in a different direction yeah. or to incorporate something into our work. Uh, what was one of those albums for you? Uh, besides the one we're talking about now? No, the one we're talking oh, the, about. Okay. Oh yeah. Uh, De La Soul is dead. De La Soul is dead. One of my favorite hip hop albums from that era. Uh, uh, amazing uh, concept album. Yeah. Right. Like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll talk about it, but there is a there is a whole story. Yeah. There's a whole to the record. Do you remember what year this album came out? 1991. 91. So this is this is post Three Feet High and Rising. Yeah, this is post three, which was a which was a huge, huge commercial Dude, I success. I loved that album as crazy and kitchen sink kind of production as it was. It was so good. It yeah. was so fun, man, and just just good and and thoughtful, poignant in spots, playful in spots. The shit that Prince Paul was doing, mixing all these different genres into that pot of his. Um, all those three albums, those first three albums. And this one's right in the middle. De La Soul is Dead, 1991. Uh, what's the first track you want to you wanna talk about? Uh, I'm not going to do this uh, in the chronology of the album. Although I would recommend that if you go back and listen to the album, please just listen to the entire album. Listen to the whole thing. It's, it's one of the, it, there's a story there's involved. There's a story involved. There's a, it's a, it's the reason that I picked this album out of all the influential albums, all the influential hip hop albums has everything to do with Prince Paul and the way that he arranges the skits in this album. Mm -hmm. It's he. I love the, I love Prince Paul. What I've taken from Prince Paul is I try to like have that cinematic, uh, quality to all my perform my performances a and all my production like mm-hmm. when i make when i put out mixtapes and stuff there's like a narrative i create yeah. a narrative right by using movie samples and yep, uh, and and you know being mindful of of what they're saying what the lyrics are trying to say yep. 
or whatever to get to, to work on a theme, a greater theme. And that's something that I directly. And pull. that's, that's one of the things that I love about people that take their time to craft an entire album. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is, is putting it together from song one to the last song. Uh, and some of the greatest albums in history are concept albums or yes. albums with an arc albums with a story albums and that people, are meant to be played from start from to finish beginning to end so let's yeah. chop it up though for the sake of the of the podcast and uh what's the first track you want to talk about well let's do let's do uh keeping the faith keeping the faith yeah. all right from de la soul's 1991 release de la soul is dead Jody got a cat, but she won't let it out. Oh, tough luck, cause it makes Jack out. Waiting on the winds, he moves to the next. Searching for the cheese, looking for the text. In the big blue, in search of the skins. Grinning and laughing, laughing and grinning. Padlock Jody got the whole scene played. No knocking boots till she's 14K. Diamond in the back, sunroof top. Waiting for the credit cost, she go and shop. Jack plays the back, just knocking other socks. Cause now in the hood, he's. Till one ring came, Jody blew a spark Found about Judy round the corner in the park Flipping like a dipstick, hip to the news Practicing the rain, fellow in the blues Jack rolls the confidence, swift like a skate Yo, Jody, yo, gotta go, gotta date Padlock Jody screaming, wait, wait, wait Don't worry, hun, he replies, I'm keeping the faith Keeping the Faith from De La Soul's 1991 release, their second release produced by Prince Paul, De La Soul is Dead. Uh, we, like, we were talking about it while we were listening to it. The amount of samples just in this one tune, but the way they make them all work together is masterful. It's just masterful, masterful production. It really is, right? I mean, God. You can't. I, I don't. I'm. I'm not hearing any people really make stuff like this now. I mean, I guess because of sample laws. And yeah, like, of course. I mean, this the, it, this album. You were telling me this album couldn't be made. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Now there's too many. There's too right. many. There's way too many samples. Um, is that why we can't find this on streaming think, services? And I don't know, man. Tommy Boy has been. Shady really? Industry rule number 4080 You know what I mean <laughs> But Tommy Boy has turned out to be like The worst with the masters For De La stuff And I suspect it might be because of that That's, that's uh, I mean it's understandable But it's also kind of It's crushing because Oh totally These albums I mean I'm so glad for entities like YouTube Where people can take their You know people are still This whole record is mm -hmm. up on YouTube You know what I'm saying is. And I was kind of mad at myself because I went to my record collection uh, and I do not have De La Soul is Dead anywhere in my home. Oh, I have the cassette, the CD, and two copies of the vinyl. Word, I might have to buy one of them vinyls from you, bro. Right. <laughs> I might have to get that. Another thing I really loved about this album was the liner notes. Wasn't it a, like a comic book or something? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. right? There was a few that oh, did that. Oh, shit. You didn't bring it. I didn't bring it. Oh, uh, I had the tape at the house. I see, meant to. It was a full paint disaster. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, you were telling me you spilled some paint at the crib. That's why we, we were a little late getting started today. My man is doing some home home, home refurbishing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, spilled some paint. But yeah, uh, I remember when I bought this uh, this tape from Flipside. Flip Shout out to Flipside one more time. Shout out one more time to Flipside. Right? Uh, do you remember that's the smell of tapes? I do. 
right? I would open. There was a smell that you mm-hmm. got when you unwrapped it. But I remember so opening say, it up. The new car shit, you know? Right? It's yeah, like a it's new just like that. Smell. But I remember opening this up, and the same thing with was it digital underground sex packets Ooh, I have that too, yeah. right i think they did the same thing where there's a comic like there's yes. a comic book yes. on the inside as a young nerd dude do you have any idea how happy i was when i opened that up and found a fucking comic book inside i was like my two favorite things music and, and comic, comic books. books yeah yeah i was so pumped i was so pumped so all right so what are the, some of the samples that are that are used on here Okay, the uh, drum line is a walk this way, which is obvious, uh-huh. right? And then there's a uh, there's a sample of uh, just just a touch by Slave. Okay. And uh, then this uh-huh. is could you be loved by Bob Marley? <laughs> wow. And then th- that's basically the meat of it. And then at the very beginning, the little synth line uh, was also sampled by Warren G. For regulators, I remember he just that. Pitched it down. I remember that. Yeah. Okay. You know, but I mean, this is a the, like, dude. The masterful way that all of those samples are put together. Holy shit! Yeah. To to make this like beat for this epic song. It's not really an epic song. They they're, they're talking you about. Know what? They're talking about hollering at chicks. But but you know what? It's a good story. Like the way they constructed their story lyrically, even beyond Prince Paul's production, his, you know, the, the amazing way that he's able to pull these samples from places and, and make them all work together. But the lyrical prowess of De La coming in with their storytelling, which is something that there's a lot of MCs from this time period. And I've said it before on this podcast, there's a lot of MCs from this time period that do not get the credit they deserve for being storytellers. And it was one of those holdovers from the eighties going into the early nineties that like MCs were trying to hold on to. Tupac was an amazing storyteller. Brenda's got a baby is one of the greatest stories yeah, yeah. of all time. Oh my God. Yes. Right. Oh uh, yeah. Slick Rick. Amazing Slick Rick, storyteller. Amazing. Still, still, still any, any, anything that he, anything that he, Spits on record is still like that classic slick Rick. Oh yeah, gonna tell you a story about For doing sure. some stuff, and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And then there's cats like uh, like you know uh, Aesop Rock who continue the tradition of of like picking really odd topics to write about, odd stories, but like making this song that you want to listen to and you want to learn the lyrics. You want to you want to see how the story ends. It made they make. I mean, fuck Aesop Rock made a story about. Uh, a pirate falling in love with a mermaid, right? Like who writes a rap like a, a, a on a hip hop album in oh, yeah. hip hop culture about a mermaid and a pirate love story. Like it's a tragic love tale. It's fucking, it's dope. But anyway, storytellers like this always get my attention. You know, anytime I hear a, a, a song to, that's a story, I stay till the end. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's a, the beauty of this album as well. Because it's like this, this album is made to be a fucking story from, from beginning to beginning to end. And so you have to stay to wait. Well, let's not, I don't want to spoil the end. I don't want to spoil the ending for everybody. If you, if you aren't familiar with this album, well, uh, let's talk about it. The skits on the album. The skits on the album. So it's, uh, it's one of the members of black sheep, uh, plays a bully Uh that steals this. There's a young man that finds a, De La tape in the garbage bully comes along with his friend and they steal it from the kid mm-hmm. and the rest of the album is, is them critically them destroying the destroying album. the album I mean how how self-aware 
is De La to be able and and like thick skinned also to be able to be on their own album making fun of themselves and making fun of the way that people perceive them. People perceive them as like hippie hip hop artists. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they low key. He there was like a low key line in there where they diss Arsenio oh, because yeah. of some because of they Arsenio had. A, a cut their time short. I and remember B, that. I saw he, that uh, episode. I was like, "Why? Why?" He's re- and he referred to them as like hippies oh, or something like that. Yeah, and so that's I, th- I thought that was so striking with the cover art yeah. of the pot knocked over with the daisies. Yeah. It's like they were trying to kill the daisy age. Right. They didn't want to be this this you know sort of kitsch representation but they also of didn't want to be gangsters either they, they, no. they, they wanted to be like we are conscious MCs we're yes, good yes. MCs we are from the hip hop culture we're not from the hippie culture we're not from the gangster culture we're from the hip hop culture um, and I always love that about them but then but as the story progresses uh, one of the bullies starts to like yeah the album. yeah yeah <laughs> But yeah, yeah, uh, they they actually it's a it's a narrative of of them actually winning over fans right. like that had that that maybe weren't familiar with three feet high right. that maybe weren't familiar with even this style of hip hop right. this native tongues thing uh-huh. that they were trying to push, but it's and what a fucking crew, dude! Native oh. tongue, like almost every single one of them, I, they've come up a lot on this podcast. Every single one of them put out seminal hip hop albums. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, really like just amazing golden era classics. Right? Oh yeah, totally. Uh, what's the next song you want to talk about off of De La Soul is dead. <laughs> um, let's talk about ring, 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 ha, ha, Hey, ring, 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 ha, ha, Hey. Yeah. It's a callback to, uh, remember eh, kids out there, we used to have these physical machines that we plugged into the wall and it had a little tape in it and it was called an answering machine. Yeah. And so when you got home and you missed calls, you had to like press this button and it would give you all these video, these like little audio recordings of what people would, you know, this is so-and-so, so-and-so call me back. And this song is about that. And I love that listening to it. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's uh, it's one of those, almost. it's one of those machines from a bygone era that were so important and integral to our lives, just for a brief period of time. Just for a brief period, brief of time. period of time. But De La again takes these odd topics to create tunes about, uh, but then they put them together in this masterful way. Anyway, ring, 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 ha ha hey, from De La Soul. De La Soul is dead. 1991 release. Hey, how you doing? Sorry you can't get through. Why don't you leave your name and your number and I'll get back to you. Hey, how are you doing? Sorry you can't get through. Why don't you leave your name uh, and your number and I'll get back to you. Once again, it's another rap bandit feeding an eye and I can't stand it. Wanna be down with the day glow. Knocking on my door saying, hey, yo, yo. Knocking on my door saying, hey, yo, yo. I got a funky new tune with a fly banjo. I can't understand what the problem is. I find it hard enough dealing with my own biz. How they get my name and number? Then I stop and think and wonder about a plan. Yo, man, I gotta step out time. You wanna call me up? Take my number down. It's 222222. I got an answer machine that can talk to you. It goes, hey, how you doing? 
wire you can't get through But leave your name and your number And I'll get back to you Yo, check it, exit the old style Yeah, ring, 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 ha, ha, hey One of my favorite De La tunes uh, I remember the video I remember coming home from school And watching this video on Yo! MTV Raps This was my shit Dude. This was my shit. Yo, MTV raps and uh, and let's not for, let us not forget Rap City. Rap City and the box and the box. Holy right? shit, the box. Uh, yeah, man, this was one of those when the, when the video came on. I was one of those kids that ma- would make myself mixtapes with a little boombox next to the TV. Mm-hmm. I didn't like doing it off the radio because you'd always pick up like the dude would always talk over the shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Or or uh, there'd be static. So I liked to be in a quad, be at home alone after school. I was yeah, a yeah, latchkey yeah. kid. I was home alone. Put that stereo in front of the the, the TV and just wait for my favorite shit to come on. Press record on that boombox. Get myself a little mixtape. This was one of those tracks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good, man. Oh yeah, the uh, this, the, it's basically just one main sample, and it's it's a chop of uh, the whatnots. Help is on the way, which is. Also a monster, monster jam, mm-hmm. um, which is another thing that I really like about Prince Paul. He tends to sample great songs, the you know, like songs that taste. I would pay, songs that I would, I, I would play the entire song of. Yeah. And uh, I was talking to uh, Prospect one day, and Prospect said that that's his sample philosophy. He's like, I don't, he'll be only samples from songs that he likes or that he would listen to the entire song yep. of yep. you know it's not like oh I'm, I'm I need some strings so I'm gonna look look for records with just strings and then find right. the strings I want and then chop it you know it's like no I feel, feel like he, he genuinely liked these songs these were like you know on mixtapes that he made mm-hmm. to listen to in his free time or whatever you know that's where I think a lot of the sampling stuff came from is just DJs and DJ sets like oh shit these two songs work really well together yeah oh and also this other third song let's try to put them all together and see if we can make something cool even yeah, cooler right. you yeah know? yeah and which is the whole thing I mean that whole thing of taking these samples and elevating repurposing them yeah right. yeah 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 found art right yeah yeah found yeah, art man. indeed hell yeah this tune in particular is so goddamn fun and catchy it is uh, it's it's from that era in hip hop, where it was still okay to have fun. Oh yeah, right? oh, it yeah, was yeah, okay yeah. to it was okay to be kind of goofy and, and, and show was... your show your real personality. Uh, it was it was hip hop that I could kind not necessarily relate to, but didn't feel like uh, I didn't have the right to be listening to this. Yeah, like, yeah. There wasn't there was a uh, an air of that surrounding like Public Enemy and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like while I was so down for them and oh, their yeah, message. Totally. I knew that that wasn't music made for me. Exactly. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I was. I had. I had a lot of trouble with that as a white person yeah. trying to fit myself into that narrative. Although I loved Public Enemy, uh, and still to this day revisit all their albums. Right. Up to Greatest Misses. Sure. I'll be, let's be honest. But I mean, you get to an age. You get to a certain age where it's like it's not about putting yourself in the narrative. It's about respecting the art for yeah. what it is and for who it's. I mean, I can. Yeah. I, well, that's I, all, that was the whole thing. Like, like I was. 
by by me putting inserting myself into the narrative like how can I be a part of this right. this you know how do I pro black radicalism as a white person you right can't, and right? you can't no, you, you really can't. can't you you can just be an ally you can bump the music you can turn other people onto the music listen to the message yeah right? yeah yeah like uh, like research the things that they talk about the first time I ever heard about Medgar Evers mm-hmm. or uh, Elijah Muhammad or uh, I mean, I learned way more about Black history through the Public Enemy records. Damn! Yeah. Did, did did somebody who loves me just play really? Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a commercial on YouTube. <laughs> oh, word! I like have the acapella to that, and I do like, <laughs> and I and I do this like crazy mashup with that and some some nice. other cool shit. But uh, but yeah, it's just random, fucking mm. random, random universe bullshit. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so. I like, I like, I've always just really liked that, that, uh, that song when that comes on, when, when, when ring, 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 ha ha, hey comes on, I'm just like, yeah, this is, this is what, this is what rap's all about. It's you like De La struggling with their own stardom and having yeah. all the homies, like trying to hit them up with, you know, check, come on demo. I want you to yeah, like, right. Yo, put yeah. me, put me on a Tommy boy, put me on a Tommy boy, <laughs> which, uh, to this day I say has possibly one of the best logos from any one of those record companies oh, aside yeah. from Def Jam like uh the the font for Def Jam is is it's undeniable every time you see it you know what you're looking at uh but Tommy Boy those those little breakdancing characters the the little characters that that are a part of their logo anytime I see that I it's know iconic this, yeah it's, it, every time I see it I'm like I love this album I'm gonna love this like yeah 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 man all, all of my favorite records had that logo on the back uh, yeah, and they fucked with Prince Paul super hard. I mean, like did. even up until the two thousands, Tommy Boy was putting out records with Prince Paul. I mean, mm-hmm. so the last thing he did was Politics of the Business, wow. and that was on Tommy Boy in like two thousand nine. Wow. You know, but again, like we've we were having this discussion earlier about why can't we find De La? Yeah. And it's because Tommy ain't my motherfucking boy. <laughs> Tommy Boy, you fuckers. An interesting story. I mean, we're we're talking about hip-hop in the 90s hip-hop in the 90s in new york yeah like this was all stuff coming out of new york but apparently there was this like huge problem with bootlegging at tommy boy uh around the time that this well after this album was released and sort of in between the guys making uh balloon mind state and and daylight's dead there was like all the artists that were on Tommy Boy were complaining how their their masters or portions of their albums were getting on the street. So there was somebody inside Tommy Boy leaking stuff. Uh-huh. And so Daylight didn't want them want that to happen to Balloon Mind State. So he had the as as the as Tommy the Tommy Boy execs were wanting to hear samples of their new record that sure. they had been working on for you know however long. Uh-huh. Um, and so. Prince Paul got the guys together and they they made these two mock tracks to Dude, submit. How genius is that? I mean, did okay, now do you know if they took those songs and was it like we're only going to give them to these two people so we know if if they leak it was these two people that did it or was it just like I don't know if it was so much of an investigation as much as a like just a fuck a, a you. middle finger to like yeah the to, to the bootleggers. Yeah. This is this is part of our album, our right? New direction. This is our Dude, new direction. Please tell me you have one of these songs. Yeah, it's, yeah. Please, please, please do me a favor and play one of these fucking songs. I can't wait to hear this. Yeah. One of the songs was called 
called my mind state which is i think in like the funny part about it is that the the label guys were like oh my god we love this this is like this is some of the this is going to be the the day law record that's going to that's going to be platinum that's it's, fucking hilarious you know like this is going to be the one you guys are doing this pm dawn kind of oh, wow. diggable planets five whatever <laughs> you know what i mean it's like you're, you're you're hitting all the bases here man oh dude you that's know? hilarious we, we're, okay so this one's called my mind state. my mind what did state. it come out on how do you how did you get yeah, your this on was it? on uh prince paul put out like a like a compilation of all the stuff that he had worked on called hip hop gold dust. And, uh, so it's basically all of, all of his personal, personally curated greatest hits. Uh-huh. Also on Tom. Well, no, I don't know. I think that that may not be on Tommy boy. It may be on something. Okay. Else. So it's like, it's just basically like, but it's like his favorite stuff along with some extras, along some with some extras, fun Easter stuff, eggs. rarities and stuff like that. And mind state is one of those things that, Interesting. Please play this, dude. Please play this for me. Hey, yo, let's gang the ghosts because the sheets been stained with the ocean. I am the elf to the seven clothes closet, burned to the Flintstone. Seen in the black man's wish. Figure me zoom to the outskirts. Slave with the thick black sword down in the underbelly. Walk, run, pluck, abstinence to fucking. Equals a norm, Tim's made foot to skills. Tally on, tally on, tally on. I'm not home. Can't beat my mind state. 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 Oh yeah, where we where we be? Where we go? Yo, I got that fat shit. To make matters worse. Yo, I got that fat shit. Got money in the purse. Dude. That is hilarious, man. I mean, is it is it bad that I a part of me likes it? No. Okay. Cause, cause no. I mean, it's but it's 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 a, it's a part of us that likes experimental music, and I think it's a part of me that just loves Daylight. Just hearing yeah, yeah. their voices, it's like ah, this it, it's comfort food. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that's hilarious that they would make this nonsensical song, and that the two uh, nonsensical songs, two of them, and Tommy Boy would be like. Yo, this is the shit. Yeah, and I think that they named it. They named the other one was I forget what the name the other the name of the other one was, but this one was the one that they like played. You know, like this is our whole concept behind. This is the direction that we're trying to go in, or whatever. And of course, like mind balloon mind state in actuality yeah. is probably their best record. Is that why you I can't the, find it anywhere? It's the most. It's the most. They're, I don't want to say. It's like I looked it up online. Right now, it's going for eighty-eight dollars. Like, if I you want to buy a copy of it, yeah. eighty-eight bucks. What the fuck is that shit? In a lot of ways, uh, Balloon Mind State is really their best record because they they were they spent the the majority of their careers. Up to that point, telling people what they weren't. Mm-hmm. You know, right. we're not hippies, we're not gangsters, we're not, you know, we're not hardcore. You know, and I think in Mind State they matured to the point they where they're like, that they got to that that sweet spot where they're like, oh yeah, this is who we are. Right. You know, before we're telling you who we're not, now we're gonna tell you who we are. This is De La Soul, and it's tragic. Not really tragic, but De La decided to. The next record stakes is high. They decided to make on their own without Prince Paul. Yeah, and uh, 
and that's also an amazing record. I mean, it the, is. it's they, a great record. They the, Law, their 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 catalog of of music has stretched. I mean, have, and the Anonymous Nobody was amazing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it really was. I mean, I, honestly, I can't point at one Daylight album where I was like, "Oh, they fell off." Yeah, they've always given me that Daylight thing that that I expect yes, from indeed, them. Right you know right what I'm saying? Uh, whether they were with WBA, fucking Tommy Boy or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tommy Boy, you fuckers. Uh, you're not apparently your business practices are not as good as your logo. Right. Uh, indeed. So yeah, man, I put this song in the same echelon with like uh, Digital Undergrounds. Like Dodio Do, the yeah, yeah. job, like the, just those real fun, catchy, right, uh, do what you like kind yeah, of vibe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Real, yeah, just a real fun song. Same song. Uh -huh. Exactly. Yeah. The, the thing that, that there's that, and it's got a, a, just an infectious hook. You can't yeah. help but not. I think this was my, I think I convinced my parents to let me do this on the answering machine. I put, it was most definitely on my answering machine <laughs> right? in the 90s. Yeah, man. All right. So what's the third song you want to talk about from this record? Uh the most controversial, uh, and it's uh, Millie pulled a pistol on Santa. What's it called now? Millie pulled a pistol. Millie pulled the pistol on Santa. Yeah, the most, uh, the most craziest uh, Christmas record of all time, I guess. <laughs> all right. Well, from 1991's "De La Soul Is Dead," Millie pulled a pistol on Santa. This is the styling for a title that sounds silly But nothing silly but the trifling times of Millie Millie a Brooklyn queen originally from Philly Complete with an accent that made her sound hillbilly Around this time the slamming drunk was milk is chilling But even cooler was my social worker Dylan Yeah I had a social worker cause I had some trouble Anyone who riffed on me I popped it dome like bubbles He'd bring me to his crib to watch my favorite races That's how his daughter Millie became one of my favorite faces She had the curves that make you wanna take chances I mean her man, I love to make advances I guess her father must have got the same feeling I mean actually finding his own daughter Millie appealing At the time no one knew but it was a shame That Millie became a victim of the touchy touchy game Yo Millie, what's the problem lately you've been bugging? On your dookie earring, someone must be tugging. You were a dancer who could always be found clubbing. Now you're worried now with the frown you're lugging. Come to think your face would stink when deals around you. He's your father, what then happened? Did he ground you? Shouldn't flip on him, cause Bill is really cool. Matter of fact, the coolest seller yeah, in the Yeah, Millie pulled a pistol on Santa. Yeah, it's not really a Christmas record. It's not, it's not. I don't play it in, I don't play it in my Christmas gigs. <laughs> um, What's this tune about? This tune is about a friend of his that uh, her dad was the like department store Santa or whatever and also was molesting her. Jesus. Yeah. And it was it's an absolutely true story. Uh, of course, names have been changed to yeah. protect the innocent. Fuck, dude. But, uh, but like this was like, again, this this represents to me like a, a milestone song where like like no one's talked about sexual assault or like you know these sort of like things in in a song in a rap song right you know right. this was like and it just kind of fit in with like 
Like the, these guys, like this, these De La Soul guys are legit social social justice warriors. And, well, that was one of the things about hip hop in its early, like the first twenty years of hip hop, was all about like being conscious, bringing, yes, bringing yes. attention to the atrocities that are happening all around us. I mean, yeah. Tupac, his first two records, almost every single song was a social justice tune, right? Yeah, totally. Uh, what um, Diggable Planets put out La Femme Fatale, uh, that song about the abortion. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And uh, you know, I mean, fuck, going all the way back to uh, yeah. broken glass everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People pissing on the stairs, or people pissing in the halls. People, whatever they say, P- pissing on the stairs. Yeah, pissing yeah. Pissing on the stairs. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's about homelessness. Exactly. It's about mental illness. Right. You know, living in a garbage can used to be a fag hag. Right. You know like what I mean? all, dude. G- going back to the beginning of hip hop, like there was a, there was, there a, was an air of like social consciousness. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Where the fuck did that go? I don't know. I mean, I mean, it went underground, right? Did, I mean, I mean, it went underground. Run the, run the jewels. Yeah, right. That's what, yeah. I mean, they are they they are that kind of that they're, they're the only thing underground. Though. Well, not not necessarily. I mean, that's well, getting the like national in the mainstream. Yeah. Would you even say that's mainstream? Like, I kind of feel like mm, I feel like I, they are so independent that yeah. it's and and they're from that they're from that tradition. Yeah. I kind of feel like Run the Jewels is maybe. Like one of the exceptions of the underground of, of bringing the overground to the underground, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Right, like pulling everybody yes, else yeah, down you're there right, you're instead right. of. Because I mean, LP and Killer Mike were both making records. Dude, LP's been around since I. I mean, fuck, since I started rapping. Yeah, dude, Fantastic Damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was that uh, part two or three? Or not fantastic. The, the, the when that is first, that like his uh, first solo thing on Def Jux. I'm thinking of that. I'm uh, thinking but uh, of that, Fun uh, Crusher Plus, Fun, Fun Crusher Plus was like my favorite. Like, I, what was that one compilation he was a part of? Eminem so, was on. Sound it. bombing. So, that's what it was. Was it two or three? Two. Two. That's what I was thinking of when you when you when you initially started talking about it. Yeah, the that, the, the way I learned about LP was uh was. Fun Crusher Plus. Okay, I you know learned about the company flow album. stuff. Yeah. The company flow stuff was like, I was like, all about that. Oh yeah, you know, like that was like, that was one of the very first records I actually like bought with with when I started collecting with the intention of being a mm-hmm. DJ. I was like, yeah, this is a because that's all I did when my first. I don't know, year two collecting was basically just rebuying stuff that I had had on in other formats. Mm-hmm. Rec all these important records to me. Yeah. And uh and this the They Lost Soul is Dead's one of those that I like bought on cassette first, then I bought a CD copy of it uh-huh. and then much later bought the vinyl copy i'm so serious about buying that vinyl off of you okay i'll I'll buy that shit off of you if you can part with one i mean i'm sure i could order it but um regardless uh this album was informative to me uh or or not just informative but formative to me as a young hip-hop lover um how did it inform your music making and production like what did you take from this album and then apply to your music as far as like it was it was it uh the way that the way that it's built was it the the arc of the album what was it that that seeped its way into your own work it's really overall there's a sense of whimsy mm. in the album right 
for the sure. Way that I mean, the, in all it, all of Prince Paul's, all of stuff. Prince Paul's stuff, he injects that sense of whimsy mm-hmm. in his thing, and you know, basically the way that they ran the skits at the end with, you know, the bully stone, the tape back into the trash. Yeah. You know, um, it just like, wow, these guys aren't taking themselves very seriously. Right. You know, it's like, let's take, take all this rap shit with a grain of salt, Mm -hmm. take all criticism with a grain of salt. Sure. Exactly. Whatever. But again, it's like, I, what, Records like this, and especially Prince Paul, I just love, I love his whole catalog. Um, and I could tell you like stories and stories and stories about, about him uh, that I've read and like sure. articles and stuff. Like he's one of the most fascinating people in, in, in hip hop. Not history, just in hip hop. I mean, I kind of feel like in music, he's like, he is the Quincy Jones almost of hip hop, right? Like in a certain way. Yeah. I mean, he's that guy. He's or like that, the Stevie wonder or something like yeah, that. Cause, yeah, cause yeah. I mean, he he's was up doing there with the, with the likes of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I mean, like when you think about it, he was doing the Stetsastonic stuff yeah. when he was still in high school. Yeah, man. He was like 14 or 15 when yeah. he started st- doing the Stet stuff. And like, they were a big band in New York, yeah. you know? And so like, and then, then they do the stay lost soul thing. And, um, three feet high and rising was just so seminal and mm-hmm. it's on so many people's top 10 lists Oh God! and stuff like that. So and I good. could, I could talk just as I could talk just as much about that album as I can about this one. But I feel like on the strength of just what they were trying to create as an entire story with mm-hmm. the story they were trying to tell with this record. Yeah. Um, was more like I feel like the synergy was was there. I think it, I think it still has a lot of the like um, lo-fi kind of barely barely holding together feel it, that it, that three feet had. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it, it yeah. does. I you know what? That's a really good way to put it. A lot of these early sample driven albums yeah, where they yeah. were pulling samples for every single element like we're going to get our drums from somewhere keys from somewhere strings from somewhere whatever uh a lot of them do kind of feel like they barely they barely fit mm-hmm. like but they fit they fit in a way that makes you love it it's, yeah it's, it's a wor- weird it's a it's, it's a, a weird, weird sound. way that the that samples the samples in the way that these guys mm-hmm. repurpose them and put them back together um created something wholly different and wholly new but yet and i mean in the like there were no computers back then yeah. it was all analog stuff mm-hmm. it was all four track tapes and mpcs and and samplers and i mean like that's so is that something that you when you're producing something do you stick with the old school methods of of crate digging and mpcs or do you are you uh you know a, a producer of the modern age do you have the all the midi stuff and i have all the uh, midi stuff i have yeah. all the midi stuff i like analog gear mm-hmm. um but i mean man djing's so expensive it's all there's a lot of keeping up with the joneses with that shit and i'm like again because i'm an adapter of the, the technology stuff it's it's like ugh. And I got to keep up with it. Like, I don't want to yeah. miss, I don't want to miss like having this, having like an, another creative tool that right. I could be using, you know? Um, but I'm, I'm not like obsessive about it, but 
there's all kinds of fun stuff going on in scratching. There's there's the portableists mm. where they're taking the little seven inch turntables and uh and modding them and basically scratching anywhere. Bluetooth speakers. Yeah, you right. Know, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that like that stuff. All that stuff's super fun with me. So it's like instead of buying all this analog equipment mm-hmm. for producing, I might as well just keep my analog stuff for DJing and then do the digital production thing. Sure. Scale it down. I mean, there's not, I mean, you can basically do the same thing when I sample it's from vinyl normally, right. but I mean, not, it not necessarily is a general rule. It just makes it easier. So then is it the spirit of, of the Prince Paul stuff yeah. that you're bringing into your work then? Yeah. Just kind of that, that energy and that whimsy of yeah the uh, and and the reverence for the samples sure um and just yeah the 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 energy the whole vibe of like Prince Paul's career is like or the the arc of this album is just like yo I I wouldn't be mad if like that was the arc of my entire career sure you right, know right right like find somebody finding some of my shit and then tearing it down and then maybe having somebody that's interested in it enough to maybe look me up again. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and then at the end, they throw me in the trash because at the end of at the end of it all, if you're making music, it's disposable at a certain the, to a certain degree anyway. Right. You become obsolete. You be- fade away. I mean, wow. how many musicians have made records that are just sitting in sure. the bins of like Goodwill or whatever? I know I have. You know what I mean? Uh, well, yeah, but at we the same have. time, at the same time, I also know that even even on some small level, whether it's for family members or whether it's for friends, what we're doing with music is keeping us immortal. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's all about building a legacy for sure. It's keeping us alive in at least someone's mind. Like if I, I know that my song at least got into somebody's one, two, three, four playlists somewhere in the world. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm doing for somebody what my music did for me when I was growing up. Yeah. And that's important. That's what you hope for at a certain point in your career. Uh, at least I do. So if you could draw a straight line from Prince Paul and De La Soul is Dead to one of your tunes, what would it be? There's this uh, remix of, uh, I think yeah, it's, uh, yeah, so I Know You Got Soul by Eric B. and Rakim. Uh-huh. There's like a, there was like a Percapella track and it was for a contest, which I didn't win. But um, it's just a song where like I t- kind of took Prince Paul's philosophy on this thing and just using these recognizable samples or recognizable to me at sure. least whatever but just I wanted to create this thing that was really fun and then I used like a dolomite sample to start nice. it off or whatever yeah. you know it's just like because it was a battle you know you yeah of course dolomite, of course you know which I mean? dolomite sample did you take ah, is it on never mind it's, it's on, on there, there. Yeah? yeah 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 it's on there there's so many great dolomite lines where is he breathing down your neck, motherfucker? That's one of my favorite lines ever in a movie. <laughs> Dude, I need to go back and watch all that, all that stuff. I have like, like a, a black exploitation section of my movie movie collection. Oh yeah, I actually started my film collection because there's a place in Pittsburgh called Ides, and they used to, they, they probably still do, but they had this great section of, you know, '70s classics. And I went in there and I got like all the black exploitation films Fuck, I could find. Coffee, dude. Coffee. I had, Dynamite. I had such a big crush on that woman. Pam uh, Pam Greer. Greer. Good God. Still, dude. Still. Jackie Brown. Come on, dude. 
Bruh. I mean, Jackie Brown was almost 20 years ago, but yeah. still, I mean, I bet you, I bet you she is still absolutely oh, yeah. gorgeous. Uh, regardless, the music from those films, bro. Oh, yeah. The oh, fucking yeah. soundtracks. I mean, good God. So goddamn good. Anyway, all right. So you got this track. You remixed it. You threw the kitchen sink at it, essentially, right? More or less. Yeah, More yeah. Less. I like it. I like it. Uh, what's it called? Uh, it's called, time? I know you've got super soul. I know you got super soul. All right, man. Well, before we get out of here and play, uh, I know you got super soul. Uh, where can people get in touch with you? Where can people find you? How do they look you up? Uh, let's see. Social media is the way to get in touch with me. Um, all my stuff is public. You can follow me on uh, Twitter at Tony scratchery. Um, Instagram at the scratch man. All these scratches are with a K, not a C. Mm -hmm. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> Scratchery is S-K-R-A-T-C-H-E-R-E. -E. Um, and then, you know, Facebook. Yeah. I'm always putting putting stuff up. Uh, keep keep wanting to get that website up, but it just never happens. Uh, you know what, though, man? Like, I got a website, but I feel like more people catch me on Instagram. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I know. I get I get so much more traffic over regular other social media. Yeah. That it, it's only really it's only really come around to bite me in the ass where somebody was like yo you could get this gig if you have a website yeah yeah you know i mean it's basically just an online online portfolio yeah right? yeah yeah you know where people uh, online discography where people can go check your shit mm -hmm. um right on man well thank you so much for coming You're welcome, in man. i appreciate you ben aka mr tony scratchery listen thank guys you. if you want to hear real old school turntablism if you're in the new orleans area go check out tony scratcher anytime you see him on a playbill uh look him yeah, up online yeah no, i know i get i was like can i plug my thing but then i realized that like i don't know if it's going to be out it's by not, the time. Yeah, yeah yeah no it's All not right. going to be out by the time the thing happens so yeah, yeah. well look up tony scratcher and try okay. to catch him live if you're in new orleans and if you're I'm not around. look him up online uh i'm gonna play one of his tunes right now for you it's called i know you got super soul right I know you got super soul. I know you got super soul I'm once again. Oh man, thanks for coming in, brother. I appreciate you. It's been a long time. I shouldn't have left you. Without a strong rhyme to step to Think of how many weeks shows you slept through Time's up, I'm sorry I kept you Thinking of this, you keep repeating your miss The rhyme from the microphone soloist So you sit by the radio, hand on the dial soon As you hear it, pump up the volume Then put the speaker to your hair and blow Then plug in a headphone and save it go It's a full letter word when it's heard in control Your body to dance So, dot text the tempo like a red alert Reach it to reflex and let it work this is playing, you can't get stuck with the steps So can say, and I'ma still come up with A gift to be swift, follow the leader The rhyme ago, death with the record That was mixed a long time ago It could be done, but only I could do it For those that can dance and clap your hands to it I start to think, and then I sink Into the paper, like I was it When I'm writing, I'm trapped in between the line I escape, when I finish the rhyme I got so, so Like I'm on some train, but I wait. Cause 
Once again, everyone, thank you for joining me on Deeply Felt, brought to you by me, Rowan Smith. Uh, check me out online. Follow Deeply Felt on uh, Instagram at Deeply Felt Podcast. Email me with suggestions for music that I can play at the top of the show. Who knows? Maybe your, your tune will get picked and, and, and I will be moved by the music you send me. I hope I am. Email me at deeplyfeltpodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, look up my other projects. Look up my artwork at rowansmithdesigns.com or at rowansmithprojects on Instagram or check out my music under no one, K-N-O-W-O-N-E, wherever music is streamed or sold.